You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the We Are Libertarians daily podcast. I'm Hody Johns. I'm your host. I'm here with your other host from another mother, Paul Copeland. Paul, how you doing? I'm doing all right, Hody. How are you? Doing great. Doing great, man. So... I'm excited to talk about today's topic. It's one that I've I've uh, had a bit of exposure on, and that's the concept of voting within libertarianism. And this is a hot topic, especially considering I just had a debate about it. But uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about it and bring that to the Weird Libertarians crew. So uh, if you let's go ahead and let's get some of the apprehensions with voting out of your out of the way here what are what are some of the problems that you see with the concept of voting well uh something that i see a lot uh within the libertarian circle is that voting is force uh and it's using the force of government to enact your opinion against the rest of the population so that's especially from the more anarchistic side of the libertarian movement, that's one of the major criticisms of voting that I see. I'd, I'd say that's probably accurate. And if you were to say, let's make a law based on mob rule, you know, or, or based on the vote, what's, the, what's then to stop us from saying, well, let's vote to take the 1% money and split it among the 99% of us, and we can outvote them, all, bo- all votes being equal. Yeah, that's one of the major fears that I see uh, surrounding voting. Um, also, uh, there is a view amongst, again, the more anarchistic side. Uh, I don't think there is as much of a concern about voting from the much more pragmatic side of the libertarian movement. Uh, your constitutional Republicans and your minarchists don't really seem to have as many issues with voting, especially for representative government. But uh, there is this sense that voting in an election gives legitimacy to the government that is enacted from that vote. Yeah, so that that's not one that jives with me, but uh, but yes, so saying that, oh, you vote, therefore you've lended legitimacy to the system, so anything that happens, even if the vote didn't go your way, you still said, well, you know, my vote means that I will also kowtow to uh, whoever wins, and be, and so, you know, if they win, I accept that it wasn't my guy, you know, because I participated in the system, and so therefore I'm partly accountable for everything bad that happened. Now, I'm somewhat sympathetic to the anarchist side, but, I mean, even with Larkin Rose declaring me to be an anarchist, I, I still am in favor of voting, so that that's kind of where I've landed on it. So, I guess let's... let's Let's pick apart before we talk about the virtues of voting. Let let's I guess not pick apart, but let's let, let's respond to those two big issues because I think that you hit the nail on the head. Those are the two major issues. Uh, so let's say uh, f- let's see here. The first issue. I'm sorry. Short memory span. What was it? Uh, that it is violence. Oh, that it's violence. Okay. So a- as I said, I think. Voting 
can be violence. I think you can vote to take the, you know, forcibly take the 1% of people's money and spread it among the 99%. Uh, I think you can vote to, uh, hypothetically make things illegal. Now, now one of the big issues is most of the time that in our current system with voting, that I guess how I would respond to this is in our current system, you, you can't actually do that. The lawmakers make things that are illegal. And then we, as the voter kind of say, yeah, we reject you making that illegal. So more often than not, like in the case of marijuana, which the feds made illegal, it's up to the voter to say, yeah, we kind of reject that. So in which case you're actually removing violence. How would you respond to that quest or that, that concern? Well, if I were to grant the argument that voting your opinion into law or voting a representative up, I'm going to give that to them. And I'm going to say that yes, it is violence. It is force. It is using the force of government to enact your policies. Let's take that for granted. Uh, and let's say that we want to move towards a more free society, uh, one based upon individual action. My question then becomes, what is the alternative to enact? We want to enact that government. What is the alternative to voting? That's And that's a great question, because there are really only a few choices. Straight up, you know, a street violence, you know, I'm going to enact this because I'm going to force it on you. Or having somebody make the decision for you, in which case the best you can do is at least have a say on who's making that decision, right? In the case of a representative. Right. Or you actually vote for it. There is a fourth one, um, which is that it's it's already constitutional law, you know, that somebody's are, you know, that's already been, but that kind of fits into the law category, but that's just saying, you know, we by the constitution say you can never interfere on freedom of speech. I don't care if 99% of you hate freedom of speech. And I don't care if all the representatives you, you send hate freedom of speech. The constitution still says freedom of speech still exists. So t tough cookies. Um, yeah. Well, and I believe that there is also the avenue of complete agorism of the system and nullifying it by walking away and depriving it of legitimacy, which feeds into the second argument against voting that I hear quite often. Yeah, I recently the episode on agorism. I, I love it. I'm a practicer myself. I'm a, I'm a I love engaging in civil disobedience. Um, it's not as hardcore as most people like think it is, but you know, when you collect rainwater, you're breaking the law. The only thing that makes it civil disobedience is if you just refuse to care and I refuse to care. So that's, uh, that, that's kind of where I go with it. Um, and so it doesn't matter what the law is because I'm still governing my own life. Now, as far as this, that feeding into the second point, you're correct, and I guess we'll just do the same game here. I'll answer and then you answer how you would attack this this issue. But uh, to say that it l lends legitimacy to it, for me, that's the weaker of the two arguments because I just don't – I don't see my – the thing is, is you're going to be represented. When they draw – when they gerrymander 
uh, areas and they draw up the districts and they say, you know, you're going to be here, you're going to be here, here's who's representing you. You not voting does not change the fact that you're even just by existence, your population number being a one person, they draw you and they say, well, here's who your representative and here's who's speaking on your behalf. It doesn't matter if you see that person is legitimate or not. You know, they are going to make laws or they are going to fight for things and they are going to use you, your number as being in their district as their power. And so right now it's like saying, well, I don't, I don't want to be, I, I don't believe in the gun, but you're the bullet for the gun. You know, you're, you're just one of the, the pieces of ammunition. So if you refuse to vote for that person, you're really, or, you know, one way or another, you're really refusing to, to aim the gun. You're, you're going to be a bullet. You're already in the chamber. You're just refusing yeah. to say, here's where I want to aim the gun at. Now, I'm just going to take an extra minute here, and I'll give you a lot of time to, to compensate. I wholeheartedly agree with the anarchist perspective that there is a huge problem with having that kind of power. I don't – Obama said that when he left office, his biggest problem was leaving – a loaded gun in the White House because he said, you know, I set this president with these executive orders and now that whoever takes over after me can use that precedent and use those executive orders just in a way we don't like. That is a problem that nobody should have that control. You should not have to worry about these elections and them assaulting your rights. It's just that that's not the current state of affairs. So, uh, and so I accept that you don't believe in that legitimacy, that you don't believe that whoever is on that throne should rule you. But the bottom line is until we find a way to disassemble that throne, it still exists. And so you might as well have a choice who's on it. It was Milton Friedman who said that, uh, you know, it's like a slave choosing between two masters. And he could say, well, I refuse either master. I choose to be free. Well, unfortunately, that's not a choice to him. But if one master beats him and the other one's going to be nice to him, why abstain from at least saying, okay, well, if this is my choice, I'm going to choose the one that's nice to me. So that that's kind of how I see it. I I accept, I am totally on board with it being a problem. Elected representatives should not be able to control your lives the way they do. That's the libertarian way. But that's just not the world we live in right now. And I choose to live in like that area of pragmatism, which is kind of what draws me to libertarianism. Okay. Thank you for letting me have three minutes with that, Paul. How would you attack the legitimacy issue? Well, my question becomes at what point – to, of walking away in mass from the system, does the system become delegitimized? You can walk away. You can choose not to give your vote to the system. You can choose to try to not pay your taxes while trying to avoid jail. But I don't see a magical percentage written anywhere or even proposed by the advocates of this that Walking away from the system somehow at some point deprives the system of power. It takes a relatively small population of or percentage of the population to rule a country. If the United States, with its 300 million people, has just 1% of the population willing to enforce the rules of society, that's the size of our current military, the largest in the world. Yeah, so so you would need 
even more than you have, Ray. You'd need more than 99% of the people abstaining. And there's a percentage at which we can change things that's much lower than that. And it's 50% plus one. And so that th- the voting threshold is a much quicker and much easier and arguably a much less violent than the alternative because I don't think that nullifying the system by walking away is going to be met by anything other than violence as we've seen come about in France and in other places such as the entire North Africa and the Middle East during the Arab Spring the system is going to seek to preserve its power, whether or not you voted for it or not. But if you put somebody in that's going to limit its power, and then the next guy takes away some of its power, and the next guy takes an even larger bite than that guy, eventually we actually do move towards freedom. And it doesn't come at the end of a rifle. Yeah, totally. And, and, And I totally agree. And I think that... That maybe it's only a tool, right? Maybe we never get there with the vote, which I accept may even be probable. But at least it's possible and it's a less bloody way. So I think that, like, I know there's some anger within, like, the, you know, like you said, probably the the anarchist side of the movement. I won't, I think most libertarians, like you said, are okay with voting. But that there's there's a problem with it because they say, you know, I, don't, I just don't think we're ever going to get there. Well, even if you think we're wasting our time, at least allow us to choose the kinder slave master in the meantime. You know, I'm with you. We can unite on everything else as far as how we get rid of slave masters. But in the meantime, can't we at least, even if, if you don't think it's actually helping get rid of, you know, the, the concept of slavery or the fact that, you know, they can force force us to do things with that throne of power... Can't we at least put a kinder person on that throne in the meantime? Now, I am probably more with you that I do believe, while I believe most people seeking power, believe it or not, you don't want with power. That's probably why they're seeking it. I do believe that there's some libertarians that are genuine in what they say, that actually want to decrease the power of the state. Um, We have actually had uh, libertarian-leaning Republican and Democrat politicians that have effectively done those type of things for us and that having them on the hill has been helpful so i think that you know if we if we just abstain we never get any of those small win guys you know thomas massey and Rand paul and so therefore we never get anybody to kind of represent us on the hill and then we're just and then really we're not any closer to ending the state we're more put upon and we just have to go all in on a different strategy. Whereas at least voting is, is a type of strategy. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, representatives are one thing, but there are, are, there are opportunities on just about every ballot handed out. uh, Even here in Indiana, where we have a very limited ballot initiative system, there are opportunities to increase freedom through referendums on extra taxes for school boards here. Uh, and I know more generous states put even larger amounts of our freedom up for a vote and refusing to engage and participate in those systems uh, 
does not service the cause of liberty at all. Yeah. The, uh, so, so let's look at a few examples because we're actually not just dealing with hypotheticals. I think look at groups of people that refused to, or that either refused to vote or did not have the ability to vote in history and tell me how their rights looked. Like, th- that is very obvious that when you look at people that aren't able to vote, they are grossly mistreated. And, and, and it's never been the case where it's like, well, nobody voted, so what? It's all of a sudden legit, legitimate? Well, no, it's tyranny most of the time. You can call it legitimate if you want, but it became tyranny without the people's say, and it still ended up happening. So I want to, I mean, let me take a sec here and look at, look at examples from when people could vote but didn't, because there have been movements like this in history, and they've been problematic. So even recently, in 2004 in South Africa, they had what was called the no land, no house, no vote argument, each one followed by an exclamation mark. And in the no land, no house, no vote movement, these people didn't have lands and homes. They were kind of homeless. And they said, well, this is I'm not going to participate in this system because I am not given a land or a house. Now, if you want to get really into this, you should listen to the We Are Libertarians uh, main show on South Africa because we kind of go into the history and what's happening to those people over there. But look where it is today. Because they abstained from that vote, their people didn't get into office. As a result, their unemployment has increased. Their affordable housing has decreased. Homelessness has increased. And now, I mean, we got murdering farmers. I mean, people are calling it white genocide, which isn't quite accurate. But I mean, there's a huge problem in South Africa now because now they have to do it the murder violent way because they didn't do it the voting way. And they clearly outnumbered the these oppressive uh I don't want to say the white farmers themselves are being oppressive it's more the the sins of their ancestors but yeah, this but, oppressive regime they yeah, outnumbered they, them and they could They didn't have, challenge the system. Yes. They didn't have their voice heard and now the results are much worse for them than if they had actually participated in the system. Yeah. You look at um in 2009 in Mexico they had the Nulo movement. Uh, where they they encouraged uh, citizens to stop voting. And as a result, the cartels actually saw that and seized it and stuffed the ballot boxes, even though they were in the minority, because there's this popular movement, again, for the same reasons we don't legitimize our, you know, the wicked government. And so the cartels actually, after 2009, got a lot more leniency because they managed to get people into office that were sympathetic towards them. And so now you look at these Mexican drug cartels and they've gone about out of control. So Yeah, and there are places in which the cartel and the government are synonymous. It's ridiculous the power that they have been able to seize and legitimize on their own basis through a very small percentage of the population. So let's look at um Let's even look at, well, there's one more that I wanted to look at right in here in the United States. And this isn't because of a movement. This is just because they don't vote. Now, generally, Paul, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, the elderly tend to vote a lot and the youth tend to not vote as much as they should. Is that accurate? That is highly accurate. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that either of these is a good thing, but look at the welfare programs for the elderly. 
They are subsidized by the youth. Okay, now if we as voters put that in a ballot box and the youth voted in the same increment as the elderly, they would not be able to, to, put, to burden the youth that way because the youth would stand up and refuse. Look at now yeah. let's look on the other hand look at their look at the the schooling look at college debt and the college kids have to pay for that that's not a welfare program the social security for the elderly people is subsidized college is not they just go into huge amounts of debt for it. Now, I guess that's wrong. Some colleges subsidize, so that's... There, yeah, there but, is some subsidized loans. But, but you know what I mean, in general, like yeah. in in mass. And so what I'm talking about is imagine if the youth voted in equal pro, you know, proportion to the elderly, how, many, how much more power they would have if they chose to say... One, they could say no to your overreaching welfare program. Well, and I'm not advocating that we subsidize all schooling, but they could say, yeah, let's, you know, we need more affordable schooling and we're going to stand up for that. We're going to show up and stand for that. Sorry, I've interrupted you several times, Paul, but go ahead. I'm sure I brought I, up a lot. I, I mean, even if you just look at who is our representation, the average senator and the average House member are much older than the average population and the starting age is decades older than the uh, age requirements set about in the Constitution. And if the youth of this country were to vote at the levels of even just their parents, let alone their grandparents, you would see the average age be much more representative of the general population. We would be able to get rid of the scourge of boomers running our country into the ground. The the issue with voting and the reason I see it is so important is because when I look at the capacity of government, yeah, we talk about the checks, the checks and balances, but guess what? They all support, they all seem to have supported each other at this point, right? The, the surprise, the Supreme Court guys with their lifetime memberships have pretty much always upheld whatever the executive branch wants them to uphold. The legislative branch works with the executive branch to kind of bring these laws to pass. You know, that 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 we have drifted into a place where they're not checking and balancing themselves. This was not an oversight by the founding fathers. The biggest check and balance that we have as people when we have a system like this is to vote. Now, you can argue about the current system all day, but the only way it's going to check itself is if you show up and vote and make yourselves heard. At the least, you can say, I understand your problems with legitimacy, but at least you can say, you can leave it blank. You can say, I didn't vote for any of them, but I did show up, and I care, and, and so this is my representation. If you don't show up, what's the difference between... Paul, effectively, what is the difference between if I boycott the vote and if I'm too lazy to get out of the house? What's the difference? Well, as far as a government agency is concerned, there is no difference. They, only, they don't count it as a percentage of the people that could have voted. They only count it as a percentage of who voted when they're determining who wins the election. Yes. Now— I have a problem with mob rule. 
I understand the reason we need things like constitutions and uh, limited governances, and and I would I would hope for their the, them being voluntary, voluntary, but they're not right now, right? They're not, and so if they're going to be involuntary, let's at least keep it in check. In the meantime, why let you're not getting rid of the mob rule by abstaining? The mob just shows up. In the case of Mexico, the mob was smaller than you, and then they got more rights than you because you stopped voting. <laughs> so so why forfeit, forfeit it that way? Yes, you shouldn't have to defend your rights that way. No vote should take away your rights. Guess what? It happens. And so why not at least show up in the meantime to get it to happen? Um, I, I would say look at things like marijuana especially – where we say we are not going to enforce that anymore. Uh, even if you're listening to this and you're like, ah, oh, but I still hate voting. Look, even during the debate, I got Larkin Rose to agree. In fact, in both debates to agree that that referendum voting is OK, because the only other ways are like street justice and somebody else choosing it for you. So if there's going to be a referendum vote, especially on things like marijuana, the least you could do is show up and say, I don't want people showing up with guns and killing their dogs and breaking apart their families and throwing their dads in jail because of a plant. I, I think that that's, that is what your vote is saying. Now, even if you lose that vote, what happens? The status quo, the same old, same old. So it's not like it's useless. You, you're either wasting a very small amount of time or you're actually making a very real difference in keeping families together in that case. So why not show up on referendum votes? Um, I, I mean, do you have any issues with referendum votes? I guess they could be, theoretically, you could make something illegal through the vote, but that technically has to get done through the legislative branch. It's the, it's the, the voters usually only get to decide when they take away powers as opposed to well, give them a few he, outside of like taxes. Yeah, here in Indiana, we do pass a lot of levies for school funding, especially through referendums on the ballots. And my only real problem is that people seem very willing to spend other people's money rather than back their schools themselves. But that is the system that we're forced to deal with here in Indiana. So. I would like to see more of my disenfranchised and anarchist friends show up with me to the ballot box to say no to these school funding initiatives and force the schools to find better ways and the government to find better ways to fund them. Sure. But sure. That, that would be my only problem is that in many cases we're too quick to say yes to throwing good money after bad here in indiana sure and to lend some credence to it we we have the same thing here in utah we actually had a big old scandal a few years back it may even be like a decade old now but we had a school you know system that said you know we want more money and the taxpayers uh note there was a watchdog group that actually noticed that they used the same ad talking about their outdated yearbooks from when they last asked for money and so they said well you're you didn't update it last time. You didn't spend the money what you said you were going to last time. So why should we pay for it this time? 
You said you were going to update the yearbooks, and that's why this law has come through. Or not yearbooks, textbooks. You never did it. So now we're not going to – we refuse to give you money. So the people actually struck it down, and then – I mean, the school went crazy. They were like, well, we're going to lay off all these teachers and we're going to fire them. We're going to, you know, in spite of the fact that teachers account for like literally, and I can even link this in the show notes, 2% of what schools spend money on. Of course, that's the first place they look to when they need to cut funds. You know? Right, because it's, again, as we see during the government shutdown that just ended earlier today, uh, they always cut from the most visible and most impactful to the end users first so that there's an incentive to jar the public into supporting more money for their programs. Right. They're not cutting back of the millions of dollars of fat. They're going to cut back on the thousands of dollars in teachers because that's what you're going to notice first. So they had a cow and they threw this big fit and they were going to lay them all off. And then the mayor stepped in and put the tax in place anyway, even though the people defeated it. So I understand why it can feel like a waste of time. It can feel useless. Right. And, and this is still a problem that we have with government. Paul, you and I do several episodes where we talked about rectifying these problems with government outside of voting. That's that's something the whole We Are Libertarians network is working on, believe me. But at least in the meantime, you said, hey, at least I had a voice. At least I made it known where I stand. And then look at where the legitimacy is. Do you think people view that mayor's decree and the school system as legitimate or that vote as legitimate? Yes, they're still paying it. But if what you're concerned about is the philosophy, the people in that school district view the vote as legitimate and the mayor's ruling is illegitimate because they overrode their will and they proved it on on a ballot. So that's that's where I stand on it. I, I have there are many, many ways that we can fix the government, but I think one of them is voting. I think it's a bullet in the gun. I think at the very least you're making your voice heard. Uh, and, and that's and that's where I stand on it. Paul, uh, that's kind of all I wanted to say. What, what do you have uh, what do you have to wrap up with? Well, to wrap up, uh, I would just say that you know if you are one of the people thinks think out there thinking like, oh well, yeah, I'll vote on the initiatives and you know because I don't believe in voting for representatives, look at the case of that mayor. Uh, I would be very interested to know what would happen if you had voted against an initiative, voted it down, and then a representative decided to overrule what you had voted as the public. Perhaps voting him out of office, voting for a different representative, is what would be necessary. So I think that the libertarian movement as a whole needs to really get all of their ducks in a row, get together, and use every tool. And voting is just one more tool to enact a more libertarian society. And that is going to include voting for referendums. That's going to include voting for representatives. It's going to include stepping up and making direct changes in your community. That's an astute point, Paul. I don't disagree with any of it. I think uh, we're a little on the overtime side, man, but uh, appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know we're both a little busy today, but we managed to make it happen. And uh, yeah. as always, man, I appreciate your insight. I 
it's been a great time with you here, Hody. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Catch us next time. Sign up for Patreon if you haven't already, because that's the only way Paul and I can keep going. Uh, subscribe on our YouTube. Uh, follow us on Facebook. And if you got any questions or any show notes or anything that you would love to talk about, uh, Paul and I both handle uh, disagreement with a lot of respect. So feel free to contact either of us. And until then, stay safe and have fun, Liberty Lovers.